it's hard to look back and, and, and see what resulted despite your best efforts. Like, you know, shit doesn't go the way you want it to all the time. And you can't do anything about that. You can, okay, you can, you know, you can feel down, like, that's natural. But if you can look back and say, I, I did my best, you can't have any, like, you shouldn't have any regrets around that. If you have strong regrets around it, it probably means you weren't doing your best. And it doesn't mean you, like, in all, you know, 100%, like, there are screw-ups that happens. Like, that's being human and living. But if you can forgive yourself for those and just say, overall, like, I put my best foot forward. Like, what, what else can you ask for? Like, what, what else can you do? That, that's all you can do. What's up, everyone? That was Alex Varner. I'm your host, Mario Fraioli, and you are listening to the Morning Shakeout Podcast. It's both a privilege and a pleasure to share this week's episode with you. It's with my friend and sometimes training partner, Alex Varner, and we recently sat down at his kitchen table to continue a conversation that started a few months ago on some runs together about moving on from the sport of running or at least reevaluating our relationship with it. Alex has been running competitively since high school and has done some pretty amazing things in the sport. He's won a national title in the 50K on the trails. He's been top 10 at Western States. He's won and broke the course record at Lake Sonoma. He's put up the fastest time at the Dipsy Race nine times. He's run a 221 marathon, and he's also won the Krispy Kreme Challenge in Raleigh, North Carolina. After 20-plus years of being a competitive athlete, Alex's relationship to the sport is in an interesting place, and we spent this entire episode talking about identity, motivation, letting go, and a lot more. Before we get into it, a big thank you to New Balance for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I've run over 2,500 miles so far this year, and most of them have been in the Fresh Foam 1080 V11. This shoe is an absolute workhorse, and it's been my go-to trainer for most of my non-workout runs in 2021. It's got great cushioning underfoot that's protective but not too soft, providing a responsive ride that I really enjoy and appreciate. They're also super durable, and I know that when I slip on a fresh pair, I'll easily get at least 500 miles out of them. The Fresh Foam 1080 V11 is available in both men's and women's sizes on newbalance.com or at your local run specialty retail store. Check them out and give them a try today. This episode is also brought to you by Recover Athletics. This is a new partnership and I am super stoked about it. Consistency is everything in running, right? Right. If you want to race to your potential, you have to train to your potential. And in order to train to your potential, you have to stay healthy and not let injuries compromise your consistency. This is where the Recover Athletics app comes in. It's the first ever prehab app for runners that is guaranteed to make you stronger and more resistant to those annoying injuries that threaten to derail your training. Recover Athletics has worked with the world's best sports physicians and Olympians like Meb Kofleski to design an app that makes prehab fun and easy. In 90 seconds, the app will customize a program for your body and your training with different resistance exercises, plyometrics, and mobility work. No pills, no potions, no BS, just 100% 
evidence-based exercises that are easy to follow on your iPhone or iPad. You can go check out my Strava feed to see some of the prehab sessions from the Recover Athletics app that I've been doing lately to keep myself healthy and strong. I've been dealing with a wonky ankle these past few months, and the exercises that I've been doing through the Recover Athletics app have already helped restore mobility and strength to that area. Your first custom prehab program is free, and they have an unlimited free trial that you should definitely check out. It's available only in the iOS app store right now by searching Recover Athletics or by clicking the link in this episode's show notes. If you like it and want to upgrade, their premium subscription offering costs less than one trip to a PT. Check out the Recover Athletics app today and keep the consistency train rolling. Okay, that's it for the intro and the ads. Please enjoy this uninterrupted conversation between me and Alex Varner. I've always thought that the best podcasts are when you feel like you're in the room with two people and just sharing a beer with them. And we happen to be sitting at your kitchen table <laughs> sharing a beer. So I have a feeling this is going to be a good podcast. Alex Varner, welcome to the Morning Shake. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, let's just dive right into the deep end. I'm not going to waste any time here. <laughs> How's your relationship with running these days? Uh, it is off uh, in a word. Um, I, yeah, race Dipsy, uh, it went about as well as could have been expected for having like zero motivation in a couple weeks leading up to it. Um, and I'd kind of been holding that out as, I don't want to say retirement cause it makes it seem like I'm really stepping back from something, but it's like, yeah, in my mind it was a break. Like there's been a break since then. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, everybody's raced sparingly over the last two years, um, but going through separation, divorce, like a bunch of stuff changed and that was part of it, but also it was just, you know, I got to summer and it was like, okay, I'm going to OCC. That'll go, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of bummed cause I got in decent shape and then had a bit of an injury and managed to get across the finish line, you know, in one piece. And then it was, oh man, like Dipsy's in three months or two months. And I got a, like, that's, that's my race. Like that's one that I just love. Um, you've run that how many times now? 16 or 17 times. Since um, high school? Yeah. Every year since my senior year, except one. And I missed it. Like I ran it my senior year and then had a stress fracture my freshman year of college and didn't run it that year. So that was 04. And I've run it every year since. Um, and it, you know, it's the race, like I, I was talking with some people leading up to it and they were saying, why are you running it if you're not super into it? I'm like, well, cause I don't want to be 75 and have missed 15 years into my streak. Like I know that I know down the road that'll be important to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as just training for it and competing, I was just done. I'd been so I don't know. I mean, I look back and I was talking I bumped funny enough, I bumped into my high school cross country coach who got me into running uh in 1999. So last century. <laughs> Literally last century. <laughs> last century. Uh and yeah, I just I, I realized it had been twenty plus years of training and competing and racing, and I was tired of kind of not having a say in it. This is a continuation of a conversation that I mean we started several months ago on runs that we'd gone on together on the trails, just about our evolving relationship 
with running. Let's go back to 2020, mm-hmm. beginnings of the pandemic. Yeah. Just kind of paint the picture for me and everyone listening to this. Where were you at at that point of your life? Um, so beginning of 2020, um, my ex-wife and I decided to separate. That was like literally a month before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did, you know, everything's very amicable. doesn't mean it's easy, but it's amicable. Um, you know, we see each other regularly. We have a daughter together. Like, we have to co-parent for the next four until we die. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do that with somebody I don't like. Mm-hmm. And that's been a priority for both of us is to kind of stay on good terms as far as we can. You know, it's hard to move away from somebody, you know, you're in a relationship for what, eight, nine years, and then you go your separate ways, and it's like... It's a major life change. Yeah, it's a major life change. And that's, you know, I'm still carrying that around me two years later. I mean, I probably carry it around until I die, at some, you know, in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, all of a sudden, I found myself, like, having half my time to myself. <laughs> like, we went back and forth, uh, kind of, you know, we, we kind of switch off with our daughter. We each have her equal time, you know, basically week on, week off. Um, and so on my weeks off, like I'm fully autonomous, I'm not kind of beholden to a schedule. Um, you know, the, I, we do have some things that we do during the week, like a dinner, that sort of thing. But outside of that, like I was like, man, I can do whatever I want. I can go train. I can run for hours on the weekends and not worry about like family duties, you know, and kind of your stereotypical nuclear family situation, which was weird. Um, it's a big shift. Yeah, it was a massive shift. And so, you know, and at that point, like nobody else, nobody knew what the pandemic was going to bring. Mm-hmm. You know, you get March, April, and then uh, at one point, uh, you know, Max and, and Ava, my daughter, went up to um, uh, Vancouver to be with Max's family, named Rochelle, um, went up to Vancouver to be with Rochelle's family because Canada was still more open. My parents were here, but they were scared of taking care of Ava because they're 70 plus didn't want to get COVID. Um, school was done. We were living under the same roof still because we couldn't couldn't even find a new apartment to rent from one of us to start moving into. Um, so like we should probably take a little bit of space. And so then I was I was two and a half months completely solo after like years of family. You know, you're thrown into the deep end almost. And so there was a lot of like, what do I do with my time? And I was running a lot. I got back up to like 100 miles a week. But every time I get some sort of kind of groove, um, I have a, like a recurring calf issue. Mm-hmm. And that would pop up. And it kind of reset me. So I started biking more. And then as that kind of progressed, I was like, I, do I really want to keep doing this? Like, why, why am I, like, what am I training for? Why am I doing this? Why do I have this compulsion to run 100 miles a week with literally no races on the calendar? And it just kind of started seeming like I wasn't having as much fun as I used to. Um, and you're doing most of this running by yourself. I mean, occasionally we'd get together on the weekend yeah. or you'd meet up with someone else, but you're doing a lot of solo miles in 20. Yeah. And that's all. And that's also kind of the way it was. Like if you have a small child, you get out when you can, yep. like you kind of get used to that. Um, so that wasn't, you know, that kind of weighs on you a bit, but yeah, it was just, you know, and then 2020 kind of came and went. Um, and you know, Rochelle and Ava came back and we went back onto our like week on week off. Um, and you find kind of balance there, but yeah, I just like, I found myself just not like questioning why I was doing it. Cause for so long it was a ma- not a matter of, am I going to run? It was when and how far mm-hmm. that was the question. It was never, will this happen? It was, when will it happen and how far will it be? Well, and aside from what was going on in your 
personal life and that week on week off having all of this time that you didn't have before there are no events to train for i mean there no. was nothing to to aim for and you're someone who's been running since high school so 20 plus years at this point i think yeah right? yeah, yeah and that was weird for anyone who's been running mm. for a long time to be like well what do i do like yeah. what is my relationship to this thing when there isn't this event three four six twelve months down the road that is my north star that mm. I'm, I'm going to aim for so so kind of combine that with just this huge life adjustment yeah. that you're going through i i can understand and just from from knowing you just how confusing and painful and hard of a time that was yeah it was massively difficult uh i mean it it still is like it's just like there's still adjustment going on um i've talked to friends who have been through it you know 10 years back and they're still <laughs> dealing with with it it's like you know it just it, it's you know people come into your life for a reason they don't always stay in the same manner that that you think or want them or or intend for them to do but you know, everybody's their own person um and they still come into your life for a reason and yeah like for such a long time i don't know i also realized you know i've been going to therapy for what, like three years now um which my goodness that is a massively helpful thing to mm-hmm. undertake regardless of where you are in life um but like realizing also just how much of my self was tied up in the running yeah. without realizing it because in my mind people are like oh you know you're like you're sponsored or you professional runner and i was like i always just first immediately no like no i'm not i'm not a professional runner like or maybe i guess by the definition but like i'm not a full-time runner right. like i have a job I have a, I have a family and in my mind i was like oh like i'm a well-rounded person like this isn't everything and talking with rochelle you know kind of parsing through what's going on like we've talked through this process probably more than we maybe should even at times just in terms of like because you know it's your best friend for a decade and you split with this person and you keep talking to them about it trying to kind of make sense of what's going on and it it's just like you're just trying to make you can't make heads or tails of it mm-hmm. and realizing how dominant running had become and it's not you know running's not the reason we split up it certainly contributed to it like you know there's there's a whole host of aspects that come into play sure. with this but again you know talking from her side of it it was like i'm going to get my run in like that's that was going to happen on any given day or six out of seven days on the week and that weighs on a family dynamic even if it's just 20 or 30 minutes. The problem was it never was 30 or 20 or 30 minutes. In my mind, when I was training seriously, it was an hour. Like that was what I needed, even for an easy run. Um, and that didn't feel like a huge commitment to you, just given your background in yeah. the sport. You're like, an, an hour is not a big and com- deal. And coming from where I'd been, I was like, oh, I'm, in my mind, I was like, I'm making these sacrifices. I'm backing way off. I'm not doing what I was doing. I'm not running 125 miles a week like I was in grad school. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my mind, there were these sacrifices being made. But from the other side of it, it's, it, it wasn't that it was just like somebody who didn't come from that background, like doesn't see it that way. Yeah. And it's normal. They shouldn't see it that way. Like there's nothing to be, to be done about that. It's still, regardless of how much you back off, it's time away from your family. It's selfish. And it was just, it was just another thing on the scales that we had to manage every day. It wasn't enough that logistics and dropping Ava off and getting home from work and getting dinner ready. It was mm-hmm. like, I've got to get my run in. And then I also, tried to you know make sure that she could do something and more often than not she would sacrifice her time so you can run. yeah so i could run and like and i just i didn't recognize what was going on at that point i didn't have the emotional or mental capacity to do so throughout 2020 
I mean, you mentioned how you've been going to therapy for a couple of years now. Was running a form of therapy for you when you were going through your separation and then through the first, let's call it, stage of the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. And it was, you know, it's funny, my dad, there's something my dad asked me several years ago about, you know, he sat me down and he was like, are you, I want to make sure like you take time for yourself, like in your life, just kind of as like a caring thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you think I do while I run? I don't carry a phone. I have a GPS watch, but I don't have any notifications. Like, and now I've, that GPS watches have gotten to the point where like I can pull up, I can just put a little map on. So I'm not even seeing my pace or my time or any of that. Like I've taken to just running with the map screen. Um, so I don't get caught up in the stats. And that was my time to escape and really be with my thoughts. And then, yeah, therapy is augmenting that because, okay, I can talk through my own process only so much. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I, you know, I can only teach myself so much. I don't, I'm not trained to trained in the way a therapist is, you know, to kind of see things and interpret and, and bounce back and offer ideas. And so the combination of those two, it was like, okay, it was almost like doing homework outside of the therapy. It was like, these are the things that we've talked about. All right. Like how do I really dig in and kind of feel about some of those things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did running feel different to you throughout 2020 and into this year? Um, other than the fact that I, my, just my interest in being competitive around it was just waning, yeah. just like dwindling lower and lower and lower. Like I remember I did the, um, the Take the Bridge last February uh, because... The calf blew up. Yeah, and the calf blew up. I, I knew there was a 50-50 shot that it would. But you know, that aside, like, I still took that risk because I wanted to have some fun with it and compete. And like, I, I, th- I was looking back at my spreadsheet, my running log, and I have a tab with every race that I've run since like 2008. Mm-hmm. And there was one year where I did like 20 something races. Like I was racing every other weekend that I could. I like, I love racing. Um, and it was all low key, you know, a lot of it was low key stuff, but then to get to a point where you're like, I just don't care. Like I don't have the commitment and motivation, not commitment, motivation to get up and do this day in and day out. When did you feel that motivation starting to wane? Earlier this year. Yeah, after about a year of kind of, you know, after 2020, coming into 2021, like, that Take the Bridge was fun, but it kind of blew my calf up. And, like, I started biking a little bit more. And mm-hmm. I'd kind of been dabbling in it a little bit. Um, and I was like, this is, like, this is great. This is freeing. I have no comparisons whatsoever with this sport. I can stop in the middle of a bike or I'd need a freaking hamburger if I want to and keep going. I could be out there for hours, two days in a row, be tired, but not beat up. Like you can't do two six hour runs in a row and mm-hmm. feel okay. Biking you can do when you're kind of tired. I mean, it depends on the ride, but like I can go out there and spin up highway one for three or four hours and come back and be okay. And just the like realization that there's more out there. <laughs> that Like for so long, it was a singular focus. Like I stopped skiing. I didn't ride a bike except when I was cross training. Like, yeah, I, I think that happens to a lot of us speaking for myself you do this thing for so long especially when you do it at a high level which you and i both have i mean you did run professionally i say that in air quotes elite Mm -hmm. uh as a trail runner for a while but we both ran in high school we both ran in college we've continued to run competitively post-collegiately and even though yeah it's not you know how we put food on the table for ourselves and our family, but it is something that's very, very important to us. And I do think like over time, we really do tie a lot of our identity to it and we become so singularly focused on it to the detriment of, you know, just other things in our life, other interests, sometimes the people. And it's really hard 
to break from that. Yeah. And, and even before you can break from that, I think the first step is just realizing how singularly focused you are on this thing until it like just like kind of slaps you in the face one day, which it sounds like it sort of did for you. Yeah, I mean, it was like, and and it's also funny because the physical aspect of it is such a like such an aspect that I was kind of oddly conscious of at times, mm-hmm. where it was, I'm only this age once. At a certain point, I will be physically unable to do this, and not run, but like train, race at my absolute peak. And I don't know if that's because like now I'm on the other side of that being 36 years old and it's been a couple of years, you know, my peak was like 27 to 33, kind of standard. But like, I remember thinking back and I was like, I've got to maximize what I have. Mm -hmm. Like I'm lucky enough to be able to, you know, have whatever ability has been bestowed upon me that I can take advantage of this. Like I need to do this. I don't want to be 70 years old and look back and think I squandered that. Right. Like I can't get that back. But then you realize like, well, what's the cost? And the cost has been, it's not like, I'm, again, I, I, it's not, it didn't cost us a marriage, but it certainly played into it. And it cost me time with family, time with friends. Like, it's a massively selfish endeavor. And it's, and it's funny because it's so, I, my therapist uses the word, but infectious. And it like, it, to your point, it takes a funny hold of you and you're like, well, I can't, I can't bike because I'm not a cyclist. I don't want to ski because I might screw my knee up. Uh, if we're going somewhere, like, am I bringing my running clothes or am I going to run? Like, it just, it somehow infiltrates so many different aspects of your life that even when you're not actually just running. Do you regret any of it? No, no. I, I think I, I was doing the best I can with what I had mm-hmm. and that was all I could do. Yeah. I can't, I, you can't ask any more of that. I wasn't, nothing was ever ill-intentioned or thinking, oh, I'm going to sacrifice this for this. Like that wasn't, that wasn't my thought process. I yeah. just didn't, I didn't see another way. Yeah. I, I appreciate your perspective and we've talked about this. Like I, I've experienced many of the same things. I feel very similarly to you. I think when you start running competitively in high school, as we did, you stay with it through your thirties, you do get locked in this mindset of ascension. Right. Like from the time you start, you're like, well, I want to be faster next year or this year than I was last year. And next year I want to be faster than I am this Mm -hmm. year. And if I continue on this trajectory, like I'm just going to keep getting faster and faster and faster. And we are at like this age where most people who, especially if you've been at this for like 20 years or more, like you do start to kind of peak out and you get to this point where you're like, I don't really know if I can go like any faster or (laughs) if I can place any higher in this race. Like I I might be, and that's a weird place to be like, and and it's, unless you are like in that very specific, like subset of people, I think that's hard to really wrap your head around until you get there. And for some people that's in their fifties, for some people it's, it's late in their forties. But I think for, for, a very like, like specific sliver of us. Like it is like you're kind of mid to late thirties. I'm sort of there as well. And then you have to reevaluate your relationship to this thing, running competitive running, but also the sport itself and, and what you want to get out of it. What is success is success going faster than I, than I did the year before, or can I reframe it in a way? Yeah. Um, and it sounds really simple and straightforward when I explain it that way. But in practice, it's really fucking hard. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I remember my high school coach, you know, I went to a a tiny high school, like cross country was an afterthought. Mm -hmm. It might pain him to say that, but he probably knows that's the case. Um, As it is at most schools. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of size of high school. Yeah. Um, But he, you know, he, he kind of had the luxury that a lot of coaches don't where they, they didn't care about results. 
you know, it was, it was, oh, you're the cross country coach. I'll give you a couple thousand dollars a year and you take the kids out. And like, as it was, I think he kind of saw the opportunity in that. And he said it to us multiple times. Like, I want to instill in you the love for running. If I do nothing else, that's what I want to do. Like, yeah, okay, you can train and race. You can, you know, train as hard as you want, race. And he loved when kids were successful. Like, he'd love that. Don't get me wrong. Because that's, you know, you don't go into coaching if you don't want to kind of see people push themselves. Um, but at the same time, he did have the ability to kind of connect with all of the kids on the team. Because at certain programs, you have a big team and you're kind of focused on the top seven or top ten. Because that's kind of, those are the ones who are, more talented and seem a little bit more driven, you know, the combination of talent and drive kind of feed off each other nicely. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, look, I I keep coming back to him saying that because it's like, I do want to enjoy running for the rest of my life. And I think, you know, maybe I've, maybe I've been phrasing it wrong to people when I've talked about it with them in the last couple of months. But, you know, I I ran, I've run like, you know, the last four straight days and people are like, that doesn't sound much like retirement. It's like, well, retirement's a strong word for what I was doing. A, <laughs> but B is like, it's retirement from competitive training and racing. I don't love running any less. I just don't like the idea. I'm no, lo- I'm no longer beholden to this innate need to flog my body up and down the hill for no reason other than my own ambitions. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's, that's gone. Yeah. We've talked about this, but for me, 2020 and into 2021, where the only like, race I did, competitive endeavor I partook in with other people was that Take the Bridge race that you also were a part of. And it was fun. It was unique. It was different. I'd never done anything like that. I'd been long curious about Mm -hmm. this, this Take the Bridge thing that happened in all these cities. It was fun to like be a part of it. But the, but I mean, that was it. I wasn't like aiming toward any race, but I was still, I got to a point where I got just tired of like jogging around. Um, like I, it was just, it wasn't interesting Mm -hmm. to me. Um, so I would set these little goals like, okay, I'm going to try to do a mile time trial and have Christine like tug me through on the bike. I'm still going to do some workouts, even though they're not aiming toward anything. Like I just like that, that feeling. And that carried into this year. And, and I was really happy. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was as content, if not more content than I've ever been in my 20 plus years as a runner over the past year and a half. And then when Boston got canceled in April, which I wasn't signed up for, and they announced that they were postponing it till October, this, maybe it's just the New England room, this like light (laughs) switch went off my head. I'm like, well, you know, I really don't want to run a marathon, but it would be really cool to just be a part of like the, first, the, the October Boston and yeah. it'll likely never happen again. And that would be a cool story to just sort of like tell for the rest of my life. Um, so I signed up for it and no word of lie. Like, I almost regretted it instantly. <laughs> and when I got <laughs> I into, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, but when I, when I got into like the meat of the training cycle, like I had a good training cycle and I, and I did get to a point where I was like, you know what? I don't even care if the race happens. And 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 honestly like on some level I don't even want it to happen because I'm just enjoying running so well, much it, for what it is right now. And that was the first time in my life I'd ever felt that way yeah. because prior to that point it was always about like okay, I'm aiming for, you know, for X this race or rate. these races exactly. I remember um, we we ran and like a week before or something you left and you said, "All right, I've got some goals cuz that's kind of how I operate. Yeah, but at the same time, yeah, but at the same time, you said, you know, if, if neither of these happen, yeah, I'd love them to happen, and they kind of went hand in hand. I think it was a place and a time. Yeah, but if neither of them happen, like I'm at peace with it. Yeah, and that's not a 
place that a lot of people come to very often as far as like running goals go. Like you've got A, B, and C. And like if you miss C, you're dejected. And it was like for you, it was like, okay, these are the two, but come what may on race day. Yeah. And and it completely went to shit. Like literally went to shit for me. (laughs) Um, I found myself in the porta potty multiple times throughout that race. And and afterward, I wasn't upset. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I wish I hadn't had stomach distress. No one likes to to run that way. And and I feel like if I didn't, I would have been able to have the race I, I thought that I was capable of. But yeah. I wasn't that upset. Whereas even two years ago, I, I would have been distraught. Yeah. And and I was able to just, like, pick myself up. And, and that, for me, is kind of when it – I think it hit me before, but it kind of confirmed for me. I'm like, oh, I've been able to change my relationship to, you know, this this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I I like running, I like doing hard workouts, I like pushing myself, but I don't know that I need to do it in this official capacity, known as a race anymore. And that was like such a relief for yeah. me. Um, and and I thought of you instantly because we've had this conversation about just your your kind of like relationship. To running, and I'm I'm glad to still see you getting out on Strava. I hope we can get out for some runs soon, but I I hope you can find a, a similar place where you know you still enjoy it, but on your terms. Yeah, and and maybe that doesn't look exactly like it looks like for me, but we do have similar backgrounds. So I know we find value in a lot of the the same things, but I'm optimistic that you you will get to a point where you're like. Yeah, okay, maybe I'll do Dipsy every year because I want to. Yeah. You know, I, I want to keep my my spot, but I don't necessarily have to race. And then you realize, like, that's okay. Yeah. Like, it's okay. I can still enjoy running just as much as I have in the past or even more. Yeah. And that was, yeah, it was funny. At, like, you know, I, I the hardest part around Dipsy this year, and this is a, a great problem to have, was, um, managing other people's expectations Mm -hmm. because like I've been no, I haven't been shy about saying like, that's the race I care about. Like if I'm going to run one race for the rest of my life, that's it. And that's still true. But it was like, you know, I see, I saw, I see people on the street running in mill Valley and they're like, Oh, Dipsy's coming up. Like, good luck. And I saw a couple people afterwards. And one guy just randomly on Chrissy field was like, did you win fastest time on Sunday? Like as we were coming at each other. And I was like, no, he goes like, Oh man. Like, and you know, I didn't hear the second half of it, but it was like, Oh, like that's like, it's nice to know that people care, but it was, you know, it was like, I wish that I could just kind of impart what I'm feeling to all of them and just say like, Hey, look, I care about the race, but that doesn't mean that I'm in the same place as I was Yeah, because I'm not. And and to your point, like I'm I'm 10 days in or whatever you want to call it to like kind of consciously backing off i'm just gonna yeah start calling it that but it's like i had somebody ask me like are you gonna run fast at all and i'm like well yeah at some point during a run i'll be like i want to see what i want to run fast like you get there it's it's fun to feel the wind in your hair like to have your legs turn over to feel your throat and your you know your heart in your throat a little bit like that's not gone but yeah the idea of like dragging my ass out of bed to run hill repeats on a saturday morning is like because it's on the schedule yeah, and that's exactly. what you need to yeah. do to get ready for this race. Yeah. It's 10 weeks down the road. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely been there as well. I think when you come at that from a place where you just get out of bed and you're like, you know what? I think I want to go over to the hill this morning and just flog myself for, yeah. for an hour. It's a completely different scenario. I, yeah. I think and hope that you'll, you know, you'll, you'll eventually get there. But I think a lot of runners have been to this, to this place or have been in this space for one reason or another where – the extrinsic stuff, the races, 
other people's expectations, trying to get a sponsorship, whatever, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, where you just, you're, you're kind of over it. Well, and, and, it's, and, and it's you funny to get away from it. It for becomes a while. even more selfish in a way mm-hmm. because it's like, it's selfish. You know, before it was selfish in the fact that it's taking away from other areas of life that mm-hmm. probably deserve, that did deserve more attention and time. And now it's like, okay, I'm, taking this thing that that was selfish in that way and I'm moving into a different bucket of selfishness where it's now only for me. Mm-hmm. Like it's only what I want to seek from it, what I want to get out of it. And if I wake up, like yesterday I was like, oh, I'm working from home, it's you know early afternoon, like I've got a little bit of downtime. I'll go out and like I was like, I'll go two or three miles. And I'm like, oh, it's like go four. And I, but I felt no desire to go any more than that. I was like, that's plenty. It's all I need to do today. I... Any other day, like two years ago, it was like, oh, that's not that's not really a run for me. Like, it's got to be an hour or so. Yeah, you know, just those arbitrary time. things that you define it. Now it's like, nah, you know, that's that's all I want it to be. And I and I I've, I've worked, you know, I run for West Valley Track Club out of the city. Like, still a member with them, but I've I've spent a lot of time with their masters team, which is forty plus. And a lot of the guys were very competitive in high school, college. A bunch of them ran for the farm team. Um, and you know, they're, they're eight or nine years older than me and they kind of hit a similar lull around a similar time. And then they're like, you know what, this is a great opportunity. And I don't, I don't even know if it'll come back, but they kind of viewed it as I'm take a few years off and come back at 40 for a master's runner. It's interesting to hear you say that because I was just at the Clarksburg country run this past weekend, half marathon PA champs and Peter Gilmore, who is one of the masters on West West Valley Valley, was, I believe, third in the race. Ran very fast. 108. He's like a 214 marathoner. Yeah. Like the guy's 212, 214. He was top 10 at Boston back in the day. And we were talking briefly after the race and he mentioned how he had taken 10 years off and he's only sort of been back at it for the last three years i think he's 44 now and yeah he mentioned how much fun he's having with it at this and he's still running fast but yeah. he's not nearly at the level that that he was and i was really encouraged to hear that yeah um and as someone who talking about peter here who ran at the highest level i mean he was one of the top marathoners in the u.s several years ago to take this big chunk of time off and then to come back and still do it at a high level but just purely for the love of it is yeah. really inspired. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, like it's the sport's not going anywhere, you know, like you can take 10, 20, 30 years off and I'm pretty sure Boston marathon will still be happening in 30 years. Dipsy will probably still be happening in 30 years. Like your local road race will probably still be happening in some number of years. If you like, you know, there, there's no shortage of opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's funny cause you have to, you know, there's, there's that, yeah, the, the FOMO, the fear of missing out of like, Oh, well, you know, I see my friends and they're all training and racing. And like, I follow people on Strava and I see like friends running Tam summits at 6am on a Wednesday. And I'm just like, Nope. Like, I mean, not that I've really ever been enticed by that, weirdly enough, but still. Yeah, you've never been an early bird. But it's, yeah. but it's like, yeah, if I'm up early, it's because I'm going to work. <laughs> but it's, it's just like, it's nice. That, that, that's now, that now goes for like most of the runs I see on Strava. Where <laughs> it's like, good for you. Hope you had a great time. Like, not for me. And it's, it's, just, it's, such a, it's just still an adjustment. Like, I don't know. And it was weird because I was waiting for this. Like I, I remember myself back when um, Rochelle was pregnant with Ava in like 2016, like the second half, and I was, I knew I was going to 
Portugal to race like in October. And I had been working with Jason Coop for a couple of years at that point. Um, and I remember calling him up and saying, hey, look, uh, after like this Portugal race, like I'm done with the coaching. Like we're, we got a kid due in February 2017. I don't, and it was, I was stupid, not stupid, like naive enough in my mind to think, oh, well, like I don't have, I, I told him, I was like, I, I don't want to coach. I don't want any obligations. I don't want to be wasting your time writing workouts for me that, I, that I'm going to feel an obligation to do. And then if you see me not doing it, you're like, why am I doing this for this guy? I'm spending my time when, anyways, I was like, better use of time, just go a separate ways for that reason alone. But I was naive enough to think, in my mind, I was like, oh, well, like that means I'm, I'm stepping back. And like looking back at it, and I knew too, I, rem- I remember having thoughts. I was like, I wonder when I'm going to stop caring about this. Yeah. Like, I wonder when. I've had the same thoughts. I'm going to like, and, and I wish that, that the, what I'm feeling now had come four years ago, five years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, granted, like, you know, you see a lot of things in rose color lens. Hindsight's 2020, rose color lenses and all that. Looking at like, marriage and family and 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 you know and uh, priorities but i wasn't you can't force it you can't you can't ask that decision to speed up to be on your timeline for life and it was yeah now that i'm going through it now i'm like yeah i guess you asked if i had regrets the only regret is that i couldn't make this decision come four years ago does it feel like a relief to you at this point to be able to to publicly say, as you're doing right now, and you've confided this in me before, that I don't care about this thing as much as I used to. That's weird. Yeah, but it feels great. It's like, and it was funny. Like I, I, you know, I, I put something up on Instagram after Dipsy, and I didn't really consider maybe like the tone I gave it. Like I just kind of wrote something and I was like, I'm taking a step back. Fill, fill me in here because I, I don't, so I, so I put it I like, don't see Instagram anymore. Yeah, so um, uh, Tony, Tony DePasquale was out there at Five Mile Rock. Yep. Yeah, taking pictures. Uh, and he has like an amazing set of, and there's another photographer whose name I'm blanking on right now. But you can find them on, it's like Tony with a Sony is his Instagram handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has this amazing, you know, he found a great spot. Five Mile Rock looks back at this little hairpin and you just get all these people coming around the corner, and in the background is the bay, the ocean, the entrance of the bay. You can see like San Francisco, and in you know, kind of out of focus in the distance. Um, and so he's got this stunning set of images, and you know, I, I put that up because it was a great picture. And then I was like, oh, you know, Dipsy was went well, better than kind of expected, given zero motivation. And I was like, and now I'm like taking a step back. Like I'm, I don't know what it means. It's going to be more bikes probably, uh, but I'm just like, I'm just kind of. Taking, I didn't at any time use retirement or reevaluating. Right. Um, and what well, is a reevaluating? Yeah, but but just like in my mind, like the semantics involved, like sure. the, the the word choice wasn't kind of as conscious mm-hmm. as I think it. Now I realize maybe should have been. That sounds ostentatious. I think people actually care about what I'm saying. So there's that. But it was like it, it kind of struck me where I had a bunch of people. You know, some were like, "Oh, great job in the race," and others were like, "I'm here for this." And I got a couple of messages around it, and I bumped into my cross country, my college or high school cross country coach uh, last weekend after I put it up. He goes, "Oh, like my wife mentioned to me that you've kind of like stepped back. Like, tell me about that." And it just like it was kind of funny that, and it's and it's it's something that I've been met in parallel with going through the whole divorce process, where I was like, "I'm going to try to be an open book about stuff," because I feel like so much of you know people get so caught up in their own shit. And I'm no exception to that. But it's also pretty remarkable when you open up a social vulnerability to somebody, they've got a story to tell right back at mm-hmm. you about it. Like I remember t- 
talking with a bunch of, you know, a bunch of kind of guys I hang out, like Mill Valley guys. We were sitting in Stolte Grove and I was like, oh, this is, and this is like May of 2020. And they didn't know that we were separating. Like we kind of got together on like Memorial Day, all sitting socially distanced, drinking beer in Stolte Grove in Mill Valley. Um, and I told them, I was like, oh, we're separating. And it was like, you know, and, and I was afraid of telling them that because it, it feels like a failure, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Um, but it was like, sorry. <laughs> uh, it just made me realize that connections there. Um, you just put yourself out there. And doing it in that manner made the running so much easier because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like oh like i put myself out around marriage and not a failure but just like didn't work out the way i wanted yeah, or that we intended shall mm-hmm. we say and then to put it out on like it made just it made the running thing seem so easy and natural it's like why, why wouldn't i tell people about this well there's parallels there yeah um i think it comes down to two things identity and this feeling of failure You've identified for most of your life as competitive runner. Yeah. For the last several years, you've identified as husband and father, and you're still that, um, the latter. And I think it's hard and painful and scary to be able to say, well, things are changing. Yeah. Things are shifting. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm not as. I'm not going to be as competitive as a runner as I, I once was. I'm no longer this person's husband. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I can talk. That's, that's not a unique story yeah. in, the, in the grand scheme of the world. You yeah. know, like, and it's funny, I, I think about it. I'm but like, when you internalize it, oh, yeah. you're like, I'm, I'm the I'm, only person who's ever gone through this. Then you talk to people and you're like, you idiot, you're not. But, but you like, think, you're like, I'm failing as a competitive yeah. runner. I'm failing as a, a husband because I couldn't make this, uh, I couldn't we make this We can figure out how to make work. work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like those two things are sort of parallel in a way. I mean, in, in your case, like both of them are sort of happening almost simultaneously, which yeah. is, which is probably unique. But I think a lot of people <laughs> listening to that, whether it's their relationship to running, their relationship to someone else, their relationship to their work, like can completely resonate with everything that you've just said. Cause I, I mean, I certainly do. Yeah. Um, and I certainly with the runner part, like I, I, I'm in that place right now to a different degree. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to figure out like, you know, Hey, how, how much longer do I want to be, you know, Mario, the, the competitive runner? Because I, I do think like it's, it's hard to let go of parts of your identity. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, yeah. And to your point, I mean, yeah, when, like there was a, just a, a massive, two massive components of my identity that got, I don't want to say upended, but like. They did. Yeah. At the, sim- almost simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, and I, I go back to what I said earlier. It's like, I really wish that the, the change with running and my relationship with it had come earlier, but like, I, I can't force that. You can't control, you can, that. You can't control yeah. that. Yeah. Like, and, I, and at no point was I ever, you know, yeah, not, not doing the best I could. Like that, that's simple. And it's, it's hard to look back and, and, and see what resulted mm-hmm. despite your best efforts. Like, you know, shit doesn't go the way you want it to all the time. Mm-hmm. And you can't, do anything about that. You can, okay, you can feel, you know, you can feel down, like that's natural. But if you can look back and say, I, I did my best, you can't have any, like you shouldn't have any regrets around that. 
if you have strong regrets around it, it probably means you weren't doing your best. Right. And, and it doesn't mean you, like, in all, you know, 100%, like, okay, th- there are screw-ups. That happens. Like, that's being human and living. But if you can forgive yourself for those and just say, overall, like, I put my best foot forward. Like, what, what else can you ask for? Like, what, what else can you do? That, that's all you can do. Well, and that's all you have control. Yeah, over exactly, exactly. Well. Like, it's, and it's, how people respond to it is is beyond your yeah, control. Yeah, exactly. But I think we, whether it's with running or how people perceive your relationship, whatever it may be, um, we we end up like we end up getting a lot of us. I shouldn't speak for everyone, but a lot of us get get consumed by that, um, yeah, and it can and, it can affect us, and well, then that affects you know next steps and just how we move forward. Yeah, and, it, and it's so beings. easy to just like curl into yourself mm-hmm. like and i and that's definitely why i found myself running 100 miles a week in the middle of the summer of 2020 with nothing on the calendar other than like figuring out my way through a separation and how to co-parent mm-hmm. like that was it and it was just like well yeah like i'm just going internal here like that's absolutely what's going on well and how can that not change your relationship to this thing that yeah true because then yeah i mean part of time. it might very well be like oh like subconsciously i'm looking back and you're like i spent a lot of time unhappy on runs thinking about how unhappy or you know how difficult x y or z is like maybe that shifted things too a little bit like, i got i don't know a couple of weeks ago oh, a couple of longer than that time is flying times of uh, yeah right like now, somebody's man. like oh thanksgiving next week you're like oh my god really um yeah like during the summer like i remember like a couple of training runs for occ where like i was out there and just like broke down on the side of the trail like seven or eight times just like uncontrollably yeah didn't see it coming and then we'd get done with one and i was like well that's probably gonna happen again in a few miles yeah. <laughs> you just know it's coming and then you know you kind of Get back in your, get back through the door of your house, and it's like it was just a weird removal from reality, and yet it's also closer than you ever get with it. Because here I've got my computer, my TV, and my phone to distract me. Out there, it's like just you and your yeah. I, I, I vividly remember being on like on Tucker Trail, climbing from Phoenix Lake up to Eldridge, and like was just very happy that nobody else is on the trail that I had seen for two miles because they could probably hear me sobbing. Like, did that feel like a release in the moment or did it worry you at all? It was both. It was weird, weird, weirdly both. Um, yeah, I mean, there's also, you know, I think growing up running on Mount Tam mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, it's as, 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 as friends remind me who are from other places, it's like, it's not a big mountain uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's ours and it's very very personal connection for me like my mm. first run ever in high school cross country practice was on yolanda that's still to this day my favorite trail and probably will probably will, will be until i die and you have very strong opinions about which only way downhill one on way yolanda. anyways but but i digest that, yeah that's a, that's a tangent <laughs> for another another podcast um but it was yeah it's, it's like it's this place that's been so familiar and it's you know certain things have changed trails have changed like i i recognize different like wear patterns on the Phoenix Lake Trail, stumps that weren't visible when I was in high school are now fully exposed, like just kind of funny stuff like that over time. Um, But it was weird being in a place that was so familiar and just at the same time in a place in life that was completely where I didn't expect to be, Mm -hmm. like just completely different. Um, And that was a weird juxtaposition. That was definitely kind of 
considerably more powerful than I realized it than I thought it might be. Tell me more about that. Why was it more powerful in well, that moment? Because you just think you're like, this has been such a constant, and it will be forever. And the fact that, like, you know, you think, you know, for the longest time, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna run like this for the rest of my life, and not not as fat, not fast, but just like oh, I'm gonna train. There's gonna be races, and like it was just, you know, like that was how you're wired. Yeah, the horizon that I had. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you get married. Like, oh, we, like, we, we're taking vows. Like, okay, this is kind of set. And then, you know, with, within a year, within two years, like, everything shifts. And it's nothing. And again, I, I come back to intentions. Like, no, all intentions were good at, any, at every given moment. Nobody, that, that was never a question. Like, never a question. And you look at, you know, it's funny now because, like, also you come back to, like, the marriage thing and you view it as kind of a failure internally. Well, I meet somebody who's divorced and I don't think twice about it. Like, I don't think twice about it. Yeah. It's, it's like the norm in society now. It's 50-50, if not more so, to the, to the I don't want to say wrong side. But, like, you know, it's, it's, it's just a coin flip, for lack of a better analogy. Um, and kind of trying to remind yourself, like, people don't view it the same way you do internally. Mm-hmm. And that connection part too, like when you open that up, people are like not like that's that's not what it is, man. Like it, it's not that. But being there, like in an, in this intimately familiar place, and feeling like nothing else in life was familiar was yeah. weird. Yeah. Well, and to just pull something out of what you just said, we're always going to be our own harshest critic. Yeah. In in that regard. Yeah. And what you described, I think, is just a reminder of that something that is really just pulling at you internally. You're being hard on yourself. You're like, I'm the only person who's ever in this, in this position. And someone from the outside looking in, whether it's someone that you're meeting for the first time or someone who's known you for a while, they're just like, it's all right, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. Yeah. Cause it's like, I was talking to my dad not long ago, uh, just kind of talking about the process of it. And like, uh, you know, I was like, I've, I'm not alone in this. Like, I, okay, maybe in this, maybe in this particular process and dynamic, I am. But as far as anybody who's gone through a breakup, screw, mm-hmm. like, forget divorce, separation, like, just just a breakup. Like, it's not fun. This is not a, but this is also not a unique experience within humans. Like, I would probably venture a guess that most of the adults on the face of this have gone through a breakup. Probably, yeah, I'd say a majority. Have. Yeah, like like most most probably have, and so to remind yourself that it's it's not just you, it's not a failure. Um, like that, that's hard, and it's real easy to your point to get consumed internally and be like, well, if I just you know spend some more time running and bringing myself inside out, like maybe I won't feel it as much. Um, but it's 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 not a unique like not, not, I don't know, and it, it makes it sound kind of. <laughs> fatalistic i don't know in that like saying like nothing that we go through is particularly unique like there's there's been how many billions of people on on the face of the earth throughout time chances are somebody's felt very similar emotions not the same ones you have at any given moment Mm -hmm. let me ask you this do you feel like you're going through some kind of a breakup with running right now or competitive running right now i probably went through it last year (laughs) and now i'm out like you're in the aftermath i'm i'm in i'm in i'm in like i'm on the good side of it where it's like I've I've made my peace with what I did. Um, I have zero complaints about what I did. Like I'm I'm proud of my accomplishments. Like that that that's fine and all. But 
the other thing we, the other thing that's weird about it is like I think it's maybe it's probably easier just because I know if that comes back, I can get right back on that horse. Mm-hmm. Like that's all internally driven. And that's one of the harder things too about like a relationship is there's another person involved. And you can't account for that person. Like to your point, you know, you you can't control how they respond to whatever you say or whatever you do. Like they're a, they're an, a, a fully formed human with their own thoughts, agenda, motives, feelings, emotions, everything. But this is all you. Yeah, and this is entirely me. And so I think it's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I don't know. Maybe that also makes it harder because four years ago I was waiting for this change and I couldn't will it into existence to save my life. Mm-hmm. Does being able to talk about it openly, not just on this podcast, but with other people in your life, help you to feel like you have a blank slate again and you can make this relationship with running, moving forward, whatever you want it to be, rather than being tied to past patterns, your past relationship yeah. with it, the role that it played in your life, all of that? Um, I mean, for me, it was it, it was, it just felt like such a, an internal, like a, a personal, on, a, on, a, on an individual level. Um, I don't think there's anybody in this world who could have come to me and said, man, like I really think you should keep training and racing and being competitive about it. Like there's, I don't think there's anybody that could have come to me and said something and it would have changed my mind. Like it just, it, it was, it was, there was just a break. Mm-hmm. Like it was just it was done. Done. Yeah. yeah. Like for lack of a better term, it was done. Yeah. And I could sense that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and it was something that, yeah, the six weeks leading up to Dipsy, all I wanted was for the race to be over. Yeah. Like you had your off season countdown going. Yeah. On yeah. Yeah. Like I, all I wanted was to be done. And I haven't had that before. What did it feel like to cross the finish line at Dipsy this year? Confusing. Um, partly because of the weird course change that occurred and we were all like trying to figure out who went what way. Um, but it was just, it was surreal. Like there was, I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of processing. Yeah. Cause I, I spent so long waiting for that moment and just this yeah. anticipation that builds and builds and builds. And then, you know, it's, it's like going to Disneyland as a kid. And then you get there and you're like, Oh my God, what do I do now? I'm here. Like I'm here. Like, do, do I, do I go for a run? Do I? for a bike ride do i sit on my butt like what like what do i do and and, and I'm, I'm still kind of digging into that and figuring it out but like i don't know it was immediately it was just relief it was like it was nice and it's also nice to to you know have the presence of or to have had the presence of mind to be like you've been waiting for this for weeks mm-hmm. or months like just soak in the couple of minutes here of you know massively high running endorphins in a beautiful place on a beautiful day with a bunch of other people who just shared the same experience with you experience yeah. with you this commonality that you have um and yet you also have this added sense of just like finality to it that i really i hoped it would be there and it kind of lived up to exactly what i hoped it would be as far as like you know there's no kind of climactic finish to it. You cross the finish line and it was just like this, just this weight dropped off. Mm-hmm. It was like, I'm here, I'm done. I guess that's what I was wondering. Did it feel like a weight yeah. dropped off once you crossed and it's, the and finish it's, And it's all, honestly gotten even more and more obvious over the last couple of weeks, over the last 10 days or 12 days or whatever it is. You've run a handful of times since Dipsy, which wasn't all that long ago. How have those runs been for you? Carefree. Just 
enjoyable? Uh, yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it because it was in my mind I was like I can go as fast as slow if I want to stop and walk I can I mean I haven't done that yet because like I don't know there's I still don't have an excuse for it like running around yeah. the bike path that's like okay but like going forward I'm like if it gets steep and I don't really want to run I'm just not going to yeah. like I don't I don't I don't care it's it's just such a weird isn't it crazy yeah, to think that you you could have done that. There's nothing preventing you from yeah. doing that. Other than in the past, other than this self-imposed pressure yeah. and this let's just call it like I, I don't know, history is is the right word or, or feeling tied to this like identity that like I can't do that because I'm a competitive runner. That's not what competitive runners do. I'm training for this race and if I really want to do well at this race, I really shouldn't walk right now. Yeah. Like you could see how how oh, quickly yeah. like that add, add, yeah. adds up in in spirals, but um you know, any I mean anyone who's listening to this as, as well, like you can stop during a run tomorrow and walk if you, if you want to. Oh, yeah. And the only the only person who's going to give a shit is you. Yeah. Yeah, I was it was funny. I was talking with a friend and she was like, "Oh, yeah, I kind of sued over retired. You know, she ran Boston made like 3-hour marathon like quick um and kind of retired you know and she was like yeah i went went back home and started running you know the group i was with wanted to do some yasso 800 so i started doing those and halfway through i just stopped and they were kind of giving me crap and she was like why are you giving me crap i I don't have to do this like i you're lucky i did half of it with you Mm -hmm. I, i have no i have no reason to to continue doing this i have no desire there's this this internal push isn't there anymore like i'm i'm glad it's there for you but you know, it was, it, it was almost, you could feel like it was almost like jealousy from the other people of like, well, why, why does she get to stop? And I don't like, I got to run the other half of this workout. And like, I, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I'm not there. I think a lot of runners could benefit just generally. This is my, my own experience as, as an N of one athlete, but also having coached a yeah. number of, of runners over the past 14 years of just letting go a little bit. Yeah. I feel like if you can learn to let go a little bit, let's just say early on in your competitive running career or at some point during your competitive running career, you can have a much healthier relationship to the thing Yeah, and probably avoid situations like you and I have found ourselves in where you're like, I just can't wait for this to be done yeah. I, or I don't want to do this anymore yeah. or I don't want my relationship to this thing to look like it does right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it kind of, yeah, I just, and it was funny because you asked, like, you run a couple of times, and it was, you know, a couple of friends commented, like, you're still running a lot for somebody who kind of retired. And I was like, okay, like, let's get this straight here. <laughs> like, it's it's not running. It's just, yeah. It's, I know uh, what you mean. I mean, yeah. that's how I felt over the the last year and a half. Where I've told you, like, I've, I've enjoyed running probably more than I have at any other point in my life yeah. without many races. And people look at what I'm doing on Strava, and they're like, but you're, you know, you're running, like, 60 miles a week you're still doing workouts you're running times that i i would die to kind of run Mm -hmm. you know in in workouts and 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 i've learned to keep my mouth shut but i'm gonna run it now but but you (laughs) you say but you're like well you know 
you don't understand because for me, like doing 60 miles a week and running intervals at 505 pace is a lot less stressful than running 100 miles a week and trying to run intervals at 455 pace. Yeah. And, and, the, and the times are irrelevant. I yeah, mean, you, yeah. you could, you know, that's six minutes for someone else, seven minutes yeah, for someone but, yeah, else, 70 miles a week for someone, 50, what, it doesn't matter what yeah. it was. But uh, like to me, the way I think about it, um, because I've, I've gotten to a point and for me, it hit years ago where I, I just kind of hit rock bottom with it. Yeah. And and for me, competitive running wasn't serving me well. I mean, I was I was running 150 miles a week. My body broke down. My relationships in my life suffered. I was I was like in a very very bad place. A disordered eating problem. Yeah. All of that. Um. And that was rock bottom for me. And and I I literally like could not run for nine months because I was so broken. And that kind of started the the process of healing for me and mm-hmm. re-examining my relationship with this thing. So for me, like I know myself just because I've, I've developed that self-awareness over over the years and, and you're certainly there now where I'm like, you know, someone else might look at that and be like, yeah, but you're still training hard 60 miles a week and, and doing like, you know, all these workouts. I'm like, yeah, but that's, it's literally like two thirds and two thirds the speed of, of what I used to yeah. do. And like, this is sustainable for me and I enjoy it and it's healthy. And if I feel like racing, I can, but I don't feel obligated yeah. to. Whereas years ago, it was like, nope, must run hundred miles a week. If I'm not running my intervals under five minute pace, I'm wasting my fucking time yeah. on, you <laughs> yeah. know, on the like, track. Why am I even bothering? I mean, you can yeah. ask my, my college teammates, some of whom may be listening to this, where we would go out for easy runs in the summer and, and in retrospect, they were doing it right. And I was just being like, you know, the overly type a asshole where it was like, I, I literally told them, I'm like, if you're running over seven minute pace, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And, yeah. and I think a lot of us adopts a similar type of mentality, but when you can learn to like, you know, let go of that and reexamine your relationship to it and just like find the, the level that sort of like, works for you it's much more sustainable and it's much more enjoyable and and those two things definitely go hand in hand yeah i I mean i think you you know this this is i'm sure you've you know another also another can of worms but you look at you know the people that i've met here met in the sport who came out of like high school and college programs that were competitive Mm -hmm. and that's i mean that kind of speaks to it i don't know like it's and for them it's not self-imposed it's imposed by their coach um, but you see just how easy it is to get sucked into this kind of vicious cycle of, yeah, to your point, you're like, it, you know, it, it drags in more mileage, less food. Like there's all this stuff that kind of compounds and yeah, it, it's, it, it's the same thing with accepting where you are at, at almost any other point in life where it's like, you're never going to get there by somebody else telling you. Mm-hmm. People can tell you a thousand times. If until you're not you, ready to hear it, it t- doesn't matter. Yep, and until you experience it yourself, it In, doesn't really Exactly. Stick. Until you've been there and made that decision, it doesn't matter how many times you've heard it. And it was, yeah, it was, I remember telling people, like, why don't you just step back? And I was like, honestly, I kind of wish I could. Yeah. Like, it's, but it's not a choice. Yeah. I don't, I've, like, weirdly enough, like, it wasn't, it wasn't a choice. That was just such a bizarre place to be where, like, this thing I have con- total control over and yet none. Like, you know, I'm helpless in its graphs. Yeah. Talk to me a bit about identity. How big of a part of your identity is runner? And maybe that's changed recently or over yeah, the years. But take me kind of through your, your trajectory as an athlete from when you first got into the sport in high school to when you were competing in college to when you were running very competitively post-collegiately. You were 
you know, one of the top runners in the country on the trails, not, not that long ago, five, six, seven years ago. I yeah. mean, I mean, my first ultra that I, I ran, I still remember you and Chris Fargo slugging it out up front at, at way too cool. I think you were national 50 K champion. You had a Nike sponsorship, like at the time, talk to me about like your, your identity and the role that running has played in that. I mean, I, I started running in high school cause my parents were like, why don't you go out for cross country? Like I'd played like, you know, flag football in elementary school. Like I never we ran in, in elementary school because mm-hmm. um, my PE teacher loved like track and field and cross country and all that stuff, but I never took it seriously. Um, and I was fine. Like I was okay. Like, you know, I ran decent two mile, like as an eighth grader or something, but, and then, yeah, then cross country or fall came around. I was going to high school and I was like, why don't you try cross country? Like you'll meet people, you know, why not? Like you were okay running in elementary school. So I started that and like, I just got lucky that I had a great coach. Just got super lucky, and I had a really good group of friends. I had like five or six other freshman guys that came in with me, um, without much running background, and we kind of bonded immediately. And you mentioned earlier how he just instilled that love of yeah. running in you. Yeah, and, and it was like you know, and 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 so I ran all four years of, of high school. I played baseball for the first three. You know, that was the longest running sport I'd played until I longest sport I played until I started running. I don't think I knew that. Okay, uh, yeah, I played for like cool. ten years. Uh, and then senior year, I realized, you know, I wanted to go to, uh, I, I was probably going to, I was looking at colleges and also realized I wanted to run in college. I was like, okay, I should probably run track. And we just so happened that like my school didn't have a track team, but we kind of started one up that year. Um, and so I ran track and then, yeah, went to, you know, went to Davidson, ran freshman year there. I uh, had a stress fracture, like not from from playing a basketball game that I shouldn't have in dead running shoes, like not from overtraining or anything. Um, but like had a really good group of friends through there. But even then, like I, I spent my entire junior abroad. I had no scholarship to run. Um, and so in my mind, I was like always kind of distant from it. I was like, all right, I'm not on scholarship. I have no obligation to this. I'm doing it because I want to. And did then, you identify as a runner? If oh, someone yeah. asked you yeah, like, yeah. hey, what do you do for fun in your spare time? Yeah, Would I was you, a runner. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was definitely a runner at that point. But as far as like, you know, there were guys on the team with scholarships and it was like, I'm not one of them. Like I, you know, I was able to go abroad my entire junior year. My coach said, you know, there might not be a spot for you on the team when you come back. And I was like, I don't care. Like, I'm in college once. I'm going to go abroad. Like, that's what I want to do. And I came back in senior year, probably went better than it, I imagined. And then I had like, a, but I was still burned out. Like, at a small school, in a, in a I don't want to say not competitive, because that undersells it, but like, in a, you know, not a big time, right. you know, uh, sausage factory program. And I was still burned out. And then I came back to it and like I lived in DC for a year and then moved back here and kind of started running with the Strawberry Canyon group out of Berkeley when they were first starting up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was nice, like a couple of, you know, and then my buddy Gus um, Gibbs, who's, uh, he was running for a club team out of Sacramento. I was like, hey, like, why don't you join us? We run these PA races. So that was my introduction to like cross country racing in the Bay Area. And I just bit like, immediately I was like, I loved, I loved the races. That was when I started running, racing 20 plus times a year. Like I couldn't get enough of it. So your early twenties. Uh, yeah, I was, it was, Oh yeah. 20. And then I went off to grad school, like 2010. So I was 25. Okay. And then it kind of kicked into like high gear there where I was like lucky enough to be able to go school full time. I mean, the hardest part of MBA programs getting in, like it's not a particularly challenging curriculum (laughs) 
it's good. I like I learned a lot. But as far as like you know, as far as the the the, the school to life ratio, um, you had a lot of time to devote to running. Yeah, I was running like 125 miles a week there. And that was when it kind of took off. And then it was like, you know, I, I kind of got fortuitous where I was in the right place at the right time when Nike's team was up and coming. They signed a bunch of young guys. Yeah, you were, were that first wave pretty of unproven. Nike trail athletes. Yeah, pretty unproven. And like we had some really good results as, as a team as a whole. For a, And guys are still out. They mean like a Zach and Tim, like to name a few. Like those guys are still absolutely crushing it. Um, and... Yeah, it was it was and then it all just like snowballed. Yeah. I hate to interrupt, but did signing a contract with Nike and that was not and has never been your full-time job. Yeah. But you were a Nike sponsored trail athlete, the biggest brand in running, recognizable wherever you go in the world. They're trying to make a splash in trail running. You won a 50k national title. Did that change things for you? At least your perception of the role that it held in your life at that time? Probably without me realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back on it now and seeing the amount of identity that I unconsciously sunk into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it was like, yeah, there's, there's no small sense of pride that comes with, you know, doing that. And be it any, any brand, any, any company that takes an interest in you, you're like, this is pretty cool. Like, yeah. they just want me because I'm like, can move my feet fast. Like, that's that's kind of a fun prospect, um, but then you want to deliver for them too. Yeah, and then, but there's yeah, then that cuts both ways. There's kind of a sense of obligation, and they were. I mean, you know, the 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 the, the man, you know, our, our manager Pat was fantastic. Like, it was so low. It was about as low key as you could possibly get, which is what I wanted. I was like, I don't want to do all these social media posts. Like, we had to do a couple because that's how it goes. But it was like very low key, and I the expectations are very low. Um, and part of that was also because like, I don't think I ever earned a salary for my contract. I was like, I, just, I, I it was, it was just, it was just purely additive to what I was doing, and I think that also kind of made me think, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I'm not as invested in identifying with this as I as I actually am, because I was like, well, my, you know, my, my, my income is for my job, you know, okay, it's nice that I can use this travel stipend to go to France once or twice a year, but and, this is still a hobby, yeah, but this is, but it was like, but but I still have a full time job, I'm still, you know, and then it became I have a family, like, and it just. I, I just didn't realize how tied up in it I was. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say until it was too late, but like until now, like you look back and you're like, man, like that was like, what was I thinking mm-hmm. at times? Like what, like that was in certain aspects, so detrimental to, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who believes in everything in moderation and like, that's not moderation. Yeah. Like that, that is the furthest thing from moderation you could possibly get. Uh, and you look back on it and you're like, God, that was, yeah, that was just something I didn't realize I was living at the time. You mentioned earlier how you don't regret anything, but in retrospect, would you have changed anything about that period of your life in terms of how you approached it or thought about it or executed on different things? I think I really would have, if I could change anything, it would have just been stepping back before my daughter was born mm-hmm. and kind of being able to be there fully for our family. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the hard, that's like the hardest thing for me to swallow. And, um, beyond that, not much. Um, but yeah, that just like looking back at that and like, and it was, it was, it was, it's, it's even kind of harder to look at because like I consciously called my coach and said, Hey, like I'm going to stop working with you because I'm having a child. And then the only thing that changed was I just stopped working with the coach. 
That was the only thing that changed. Yeah, you're still doing workouts, still on that schedule. Yeah, it was like, you still know, you look back at like, I mean, I look back on like, I, you know, I, I work for a small firm, like, you know, paternal leave in the U.S. Is, is a whole other subject. But I took two weeks off, like two weeks for the birth of Ava. And in those two weeks at home, it was like, I think I ran like 95 or 100 miles both those two weeks. And I look back on it, I'm like, what the fuck? Was I doing, yeah. Like what, like what, really? Like, and, and in my mind, I was like, well, I'm home for 10 more hours a day than I normally am. I can't, you know, the baby and, and, and my wife are sleeping, like, all, and, and, you know, my mother-in-law was kind enough to come in town. My parents were around. Like, in my mind, I was like, oh, like, you know, an hour and a half isn't that long to be away. But it was just like, but you look at the, you know, if you, if you look at it, you know, it's like, it's like seeing somebody every day with, their hair, with, with a haircut. And you look at it every day, and it doesn't look like it's that much on a daily basis. But after a but few you, weeks, you notice. But you yeah. look at it, back at it, and you're like, holy shit, that was, that was excessive. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you think not asking Coop to coach you anymore was just something that you could kind of lead on and be like, yeah, see, I'm not, yeah. I'm not taking this quite, oh, as, absolutely. quite as seriously. Absolutely. Yeah, it was definitely that. It was a very superficial move on my part to kind of pay lip service to stepping back. I want to take a little bit of a pivot here. One thing you mentioned earlier was when you were running at Davidson, you weren't a scholarship athlete, but there were runners on the team who were, and you were like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not at, at that level. Yeah. So, you know, I'm clearly not as serious as they are or however you like contextualize yeah. it in your head. And it, it was interesting to hear you say that. Cause one, I, I, I didn't know it, but two, it's not dissimilar to how a lot of runners feel. I mean, the average runner sees, you know, you and I who are not professional, but we're, let's say, sub elite or something yeah. like that, and be like, wow, like I, I don't relate to them at all because they run so much faster than me. Whereas you and I look at someone, you know, like a, a, a Galen Rupp, for mm-hmm. example, or a Molly Side or something, and be like, well, you know, we're not there. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, a bronze medalist yeah, at the Olympics. I'm not like, at their yeah. level. And I feel like that happens, like, kind of you know, throughout running, but hearing you describe your experiences and, and knowing my own experiences as an athlete and observationally as a coach, it's all the same. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all the same. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just like, that stood out to me when you, you described it. I'm like, that's not dissimilar to like what I heard when I was working at competitor and the average runner of the rock and roll marathon series would see Meb Kofleski and be like, I got nothing in common with him. And then Ironically enough, when I had Meb Kofleski on this podcast, he told me the only difference between me and everyone else is the numbers on the clock when we cross the finish line. Yeah, and I, I mean, I remember that. Remember, I remember running, you started running ultras, and you know, um, seeing. I think you know, I, I had some people who were like, "Well, like, what inspires you? Like, you're, you're you know, somebody towards the front, like." You know, for the for for the back of the pack, they're the ones who inspire you. I was like, and it, and it took me a second. And I, I had to think about it. Not a second. Like I thought about it for a while. Um, and I eventually came to the realization that like, it's it goes exactly back the other way. I I would not have been in the sport if I were lining up at any ultra, thinking if everything goes right, I will cross the finish line in the cutoff. Mm-hmm. The the prospect of lining up at Western States and thinking. Sunrise, sunset, sunrise, and then like six more hours of running. Uh, uh-uh. uh, no fucking way, no way. I'm on that start line if that's if that's my reality. And that's and to your point, it's just like yeah, the only difference is the numbers on the clock. But at the same time, it's it's not like it's it, there's no the level of dedication isn't any different. 
But the level of mental fortitude required for, and maybe it's a little bit more relevant in ultras, but like chasing cutoffs and being willing to put yourself out there for that long and knowing, like you know that it's going to do that. You know that you're up against like, like it. As yeah. a, like if you start at the front, you know, if you start at the front of Western States and shit hits the fan, okay, maybe you finish at 3 a.m. But that's, that's still, you know, that's eight hours less time than the last finisher is going to finish. Like, that's that's bonkers. Like yeah. that's absolutely crazy to to think that that they're less dedicated, or for them to think that. Like, if any of you are more so, like I I just wouldn't be here if that were the case. Yeah, I I agree, <laughs> I agree with you completely. I mean, coaching changed that for me. I mean, yeah. I coach a, a full spectrum of athletes from some of the top elites in ultra running and Olympic trials qualifiers in the marathon to people who. I don't want to say are just trying to finish their first ultra, yeah, but, but certainly aren't finishing at the at the front of the pack. They are those athletes you just described, yeah. chasing cutoffs. And I mean, I learn things from the elites that I can apply to my slower athletes. But I learn, honestly, hard to quantify, but so much more from some of the slower athletes, just in terms of the dedication, the commitment the drive, the hard work, um, just the mindset that you have to have to stay with it at, at, at that level. And I mean, it's, it's incredibly, you know, inspiring to me because on one end of the spectrum, and this is completely my perspective, I got people who this is part of how they make their livelihood. They have obligations to sponsors, you know, they have a reputation, whatever. And, and they're like, you know, trying to, you know, do what they need to do to, to preserve that. But then I've got these other people who are just doing it to see if they can do it. Yeah. Um, and well, that's, see, that's why we all started, right? Yeah. Like exactly. that's the other thing too, is that's why we all started this it fucking just, sport. It just brings it back to yeah. that, that kind of common ground of, yeah. of like why we're all in this in in the first place. And, and we all need that reminder. Yeah. I think we all need that reminder. Um, probably on a regular basis. Yeah. It's well. nice to, you know, to be, to be humbled and reminded of where you are in the greater scheme of things. <laughs> Last question for you. Cause I know we need to wrap this one up. What does running look like for Alex Varner moving forward? No As idea. of this conversation. Zero. There is zero definition around it whatsoever. Um, yeah, like none this weekend. I'm, you know, I've got my one of my off weekends, so I'm getting on the bike tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, uh, and I'm couldn't be more excited about it. Like, yeah, I just go out, see what's out there. Um, some days running will work out, and I'll do that, but I just I've got nothing around it, like nothing. I know, you know, my my only regret about Dipsy being in November is that we've got another one in seven months. <laughs> And if for nothing, for no other reason, I know I will get out on the course and, and run a little bit on there just because it makes it hurt a little, hurt a little less. <laughs> um, but beyond that, nothing. Like I've got zero for the first time in who knows how many years, zero agenda. All right. My follow-up, and it's about Dipsy specifically, and maybe it's too early or fresh <laughs> to answer, answer this question, but it is going to happen next year, hopefully yeah. in June per usual, yeah. not in November, like it did this year. I mean, this year, I think you were the second fastest time. Yeah. You've had the fastest time award many years. I, I don't know, eight or nine at this point. Um, yeah. you, you, you tell me, like, how do you approach that race next year? Similar way I did this year, in all honesty. Um, I think it's, it's hard to imagine my motivation being any lower than it was. Um, but who knows? Well, 
new lows have have found a weird way of knocking me on my ass when I least expected it in the last last few years here. Um, I don't know. I mean, but when you step on the start line, you expect to get after it and give it the best that you have. On yeah, because that that's that's what the race warrants. Like mm-hmm. the race deserves no less than that. Uh, and that I don't, you know, come race day, I will always put my best foot forward. Uh, the problem is, is the weeks leading up to it, <laughs> the ability to kind of put myself in a position to do that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think for the longest time and I still, it doesn't, it hasn't changed because I, I've never been under the illusion in this race yet that I can win the thing. Like I don't, I mean, I, well, sorry, maybe that's, maybe that's mis misspeaking. I don't think anybody ever wins a race without thinking they can win it. Like it has to be in the realm of your possibility mm-hmm. for you to win a race. If you go to the star line and you think there's no way I can win this, you're not going to win it. Somebody else who thinks that they can, even if they might be less talented will. So I've, I've, I've come to the star line every year with, yeah, the, the, the outlandish goal. If you want to call it an A plus 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 goal of winning the thing, the reality is that it favors people who are 55 to 65 years old. Um, for context, just for people listening, yes. to this, Dipsy <laughs> is the oldest trail race in the United States. It is very, very quirky. It has staggered start times. So older, younger, and I, I don't mean this in an insulting way at all. Slower runners start first. The faster runners start last. Yeah. But the the winner of the race is the first person to come across the line, regardless of when they started. So in past years, Alex has been one of the last people to start. So he has to pass like literally a thousand plus people um, over the course of seven point four miles. So even if he runs the fastest time, it does not mean that he won the race. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. So I, I you know within a couple of years I took the approach of all right. The one thing that is in my control is competing for the fastest time. And benefit to starting in the back is you kind of see, you know, you see who's out in front and you can kind of get a gauge of, of that. Um, but even with that, like now I'm, you know, I've won, it, won the fastest time nine times. Like, yeah, it'd be great to have 10, but um, there's a new guy running it and he's faster than I've ever been. He on a longer course just ran a faster time than my fastest time ever. Like, he could easily win. 10 fastest times if he keeps with it. The hard part is keeping with it. And I don't, I don't doubt him in any way, but it's just like 10 years is a long time to show up to the same, to the same fucking race. Yeah. And with that level of like, you know, and it's also one where it was funny. I followed his training a little bit and kind of saw what he wrote about it. And it's so specific. It's such a specific race that it really rewards time on course of familiarity. Um, And so it'll be, I'm, I'm curious, I'm interested to see, how it goes for him in the coming years. Yep. Um, and yeah, but as far as my, my relationship with it goes, like, yeah, I'll put my best foot forward out. Um, but if, if he and I are in the same race, he's going to win the fastest time. Like there's nothing I can do about that. Especially if, 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 if only the excuse I want to use is I'm 36 and he's 28, but that's not the excuse. Cause he's run faster than I ever have. So that's just the reality of it. Um, but so now that that's kind of out the window too, <laughs> Um, honestly, like it's fun running for the Pelican Inn, like track club, like the group of folks I've met running through that has been fantastic. Uh, the finish line ambiance party sense of relief, uh, is like none other. Like you, Mm -hmm. you, you know, you run a big city marathon, but you don't know the thousand people around you. Like this is 1500 people. It's intimate. Every, everybody, 
everybody took a conscious decision to mail in their application. They all, you know, went to the post office. It's a quirky race, yeah. people. Yeah. Look at paper, it up. Paper, app- paper applications, put a stamp on the thing, write your sob story, pay your bribe. Get it to the right post office. Get it office to the right post time. office. Yeah. Yep. Like everybody makes an effort to get into this race. And so it's, and not that it doesn't happen for the other races, but like it's just such a small community. And it was kind of funny seeing some people who, Whenever any, you know, and, and all the years I've been running it, especially getting the ultra community, like kind of showing people what it is, those who come out and watch it and had never seen it before are blown away. That was me this year. By First it. time I'd ever seen it. They're, the they're completely blown away. It's seven like, years I've yeah, lived in the Bay like Area. Nothing, never seen the It's like nothing you year. see where if you wait out, if you camp out at the highest part of the course, Within, Which I did. within five minutes, you will see you know, a 10 year old boy, a nine year old girl, a 70 year old grandma, and a 28 year old guy come plowing through, all with the same look on their face. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unique and in- incredible, and I was glad to get to experience it this year. Well, if nothing else, I hope that I can get you out to join our crew on a Wednesday morning workout one of these weeks if it works for your schedule. If not that, certainly a weekend run. But Alex Farmer, thank you so much for this conversation and for coming on the Morning Shakeout podcast. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you so much for listening in to the Morning Shakeout podcast. A big thank you to both New Balance and Recover Athletics for sponsoring this episode of the show. The Fresh Foam 1080 V11 is an absolute workhorse, and it's been my go-to trainer for most of my non-workout runs in 2021. It's got great cushioning underfoot that's protective but not too soft, providing a responsive ride that I really enjoy and appreciate. Check it out at newbalance.com and consider adding a pair to your rotation today. Recover Athletics has worked with the world's best sports physicians and Olympians like Meb Kaflesky to design an app that makes prehab fun and easy. In 90 seconds, the app will customize a program for your body and your training with different resistance exercises, plyometrics, and mobility work. No pills, no potions, no BS, just 100% evidence-based exercises that are easy to follow on your iPhone or iPad. It's available only in the iOS app store right now by searching Recover Athletics or by clicking the link in this episode's show notes couple more things before we wrap up i'd like to give a shout out as always to my longtime producer john summerford who makes every episode of the podcast sound clear and amazing also thank you to jeffrey stern for running the am shakeout social media accounts and chris douglas for handling sponsorship sales last thing if you are digging this podcast i think you will love my newsletter it's also called the morning shakeout and you can subscribe to it at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe Every Tuesday morning, you'll get my take on what's happening in the world of running, along with a collection of things that I've been thinking about, reading, and listening to. It's a quick read, 5-10 minutes tops, but it will give you plenty to think about throughout the rest of the week. Again, you can sign up to receive it at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe. Okay, that's it. I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been another episode of the Morning Shakeout Podcast. (laughs) 